Thank you. That's a blessing. Be thou my vision. Amen. Let's stand and take our Bibles tonight. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20. How many are feeling the effect of losing one hour of sleep? I think about just everybody in the congregation. Amen. I was trying to think of a passage to preach on about sleep here, but I didn't think that would be a good idea tonight. Amen. Matthew chapter 20 tonight. We're going to look at a fascinating parable this evening. And I pray one that will just give us encouragement and help us for this coming week. Thank you for being back here on Sunday night. And uh, if you're here tonight as a visitor guest, we're so delighted you're here. And we pray that uh, you'll go away feeling fulfilled and that the Lord will speak to your heart today. And I'd like to ask as members, you look around you, if someone next to you doesn't have a Bible or maybe specifically a King James Version of the Bible, please be a gracious Christian and share your Bible with them. Amen. And help them find their place and make sure they're in it. And I want you to take some good notes tonight. We are just going to have a wonderful time looking at Matthew 20. And perhaps a passage that has probably bothered a lot of people in terms of what, what does it mean. It has great application for us at this time. And this, it was just kind of a change about the Lord. Just put that on my heart. Just changed my mind on what I was going to preach for tonight. And gave me something I think that's very, very applicable for our needs right now. Matthew chapter 20. Say amen if you're there. That sounds like you're still missing one hour of sleep. Let's try that again. Say amen if you're there. Matthew 20. Amen? Okay, let's read. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, now that sounds like a very small amount, but that was a lucrative amount of money. That was a Roman denarius. That's what a Roman Roman guard made, a denarius a day. When he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out, and he found others standing idle, and he saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? And they say unto him, Because no man has hired us. And that's not true, but that's what they were saying. And he saith unto them, Go ye also to the vineyard. And notice he makes a statement again. And whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto the steward, call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. This is payday. Those days they got paid at the end of the day. And when they came, when they came that were hired about the 11th hour, they received every man a penny. Very interesting thing. Contract laborers at the beginning of the day at six in the morning said, we will work for you for a penny a day. And those who got hired at the 11th hour, they got a penny. And watch what's happening here. In verse 10, but when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. They were calculating. They were comparing. They thought, wow, these 11th hour workers got a penny. That must mean we've borne the burden of the day and it's been 12 hours. We're going to get 12 pennies. But they forgot they contracted for one penny. The first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. When they received it, notice this, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, and he said, Friend, by the way, aren't you glad Jesus calls you a friend and not a servant? Aren't you glad about that today? 
Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? Wow. So last shall be first and the first last for many shall be called but few chosen. One of the favorite topics throughout the Bible is this matter of favoritism. And we'll see in just a moment. I'm not preaching about favoritism tonight, but that's what they were thinking about here. That the Lord was, this Lord of the harvest was showing favoritism. It's kind of like a story of a pastor who had a dream one night. And in that dream, he was dreaming that, the, that he went to heaven. As he stood before the Lord that he saw, he was waiting to get the mansion that was talked about in John chapter 14. I'm thankful that we sang tonight, I have a mansion on a hilltop. And I'm thankful Jesus is building a mansion for all of us that are saved. Amen. And he got there and instead of getting a mansion, he got a little shack there. And he's, he was wondering, wait a minute, I've been a preacher, I've been a pastor for 40 years, and all I'm getting is a shack. And he noticed a Uber driver. And the Uber driver there got a gracious big mansion. And he said, he started getting a little upset. He said, the Lord said, what's the matter? He said, well, Lord, I'm just kind of comparing. He says, you know, I've been a pastor. I've been serving you for 40 years, and I've got this little shack here. And there's this Uber driver here, and he's getting this big mansion. What's the deal, Lord? And you could sense that the man was a little concerned that the Lord was showing some disfavoritism. And the Lord said, and well, I'll tell you what it's all about. He says, when you preached, everyone fell asleep. But when he drove, everyone prayed. You know, sometimes people think that, how come they get all the blessings? But I call your attention tonight, the Lord made a statement tonight. We're going to preach through this this evening. He makes a statement that's a continuation. Notice in chapter 19, verse 30. Would you notice that, please? Many that are first shall be last. He did say all, but he did say many. And the last shall be first. I'm going to preach a message entitled tonight, Why Last is First and First is Last. Father, tonight, thank you. We've had a hearty round of singing. And uh, God, we've taken some time to pray for our, our brothers and sisters in Christ and our families, for our area. Lord, I pray for the Alameda County area. I pray for souls to be saved. Lord, give us a harvest of souls this week. Even as Brother Danny reminded us this morning, we need to pray that, God, you would hold the rain back for a few more days so they can get the roof up on this educational building so we can stay right on schedule for your glory. Keep our costs down. Lord, tonight, for just a few minutes here, as we look at Matthew chapter 20, and a need that was present at that moment for your disciples, that same need is present in Heritage Baptist Church. God, I pray tonight that you'd love us through the passage. Lord, tonight I pray through the passage that you would not just love us, but you preach to us. I pray you'll give us understanding. I pray that, Lord, you would just help us to see application and help us to see immediate relevancy. Help us to see tonight that, God, there are some urgent things that need to be done. 
Help us tonight that, Lord, you'd speak through our spirit and our attitude and our hearts. And we pray through all this that, Lord, you'll be glorified. And yet, Lord, in the midst of this, I pray that those without Christ might get saved tonight. So, Lord, we commit this message to you and I pray for the fullness of the spirit, the anointing of God, the the worthiness of the power of God upon my life, that you'd use me tonight to feed your flock, God's heritage tonight from Matthew chapter 20. We'll thank you for what you'll do now in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We just read Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16, and it's one of the many parables of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was the masterful preacher. Many times he would take a parable and and, uh, place it alongside of a truth that he was presenting to give colorfulness and meaning to that. And that's what a parable is. A parable is a story cast alongside of a truth to make it colorful and meaningful and to give some relevancy so people can understand it. And if you'll notice here, as we look at this parable, it's a continuation. If you go back to Matthew 19, it's a continuation of some events that began in Matthew 19, verse 13. And you'll notice as he talks about little children, he proceeds from there and talking about a young, a young ruler that comes to Jesus Christ inquiring about eternal life. And this young rich ruler comes. He was a young man. You might think in terms of our days, perhaps a, a, a technology entrepreneur that did very, very well. And, and uh, he came and, and he says to the Lord, he comes to him and he's coming somewhat pompously and he says, Lord, I want to know from you, how can I know for sure that I've got eternal life? And the very question he asks, you'll notice in chapter 19, he says, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And, and of course, the Lord makes some statements to him and, and he says, well, you know, Jesus wanted to just catch this guy where he was at. And he tells this man, look at, you know, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he lists about six or seven of the commandments there from the Ten Commandments. And then he talks about, you know, the, 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 the commandment, what we call the Eleventh Commandment, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And he does that. And of course, this man is very pompous because Jesus has talked about these things. He says, well, Lord, I've done all these since my youth. And in some way, the man was saying he would never remind he's a Jewish individual and Jesus is talking to Jews. And this man is a Jewish individual thinking, well, you know, I've done all those things. So certainly I must be deserving of an eternal life. And then Jesus pop drops a bomb on. How do you like it when you read the Bible when Jesus drops a bomb on us? Amen. You know, he drops a bomb on this guy and he says, well, he says, well, you've done all that. Here's what I want you to do. He says, go sell everything you got, give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the Bible tells us something very amazing. The guy's, the man's countenance fell and he went away sad because the Bible said he had much possessions. And really, the man was able to confess that, yeah, I've honored my father, and mother, I've done these things. But two things he that were very prominent that he could not say that he fulfilled. And the first one was that the fact that he was a man filled with covetousness. And covetousness, as you know, is idolatry. And, and so the first and tenth commandment, the man could not admit that or confess before Jesus Christ that he'd broken those commandments, that covetousness is idolatry, and that it, and money had become his idol. And he went away uh, d- disheartened. And the disciples were amazed when, when Jesus talked about this man because he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. And his disciples were amazed. And the reason why they were amazed, because the Jews, for many hundreds of years, had an entitlement mindset. 
mindset about eternity. They took Deuteronomy where God talks about the blessings and the cursings and Deuteronomy is 28 to 30 thinking that, well, you know, certainly we've done good. And, and if we have wellness and bear, bear in mind, he's talking to Pharisees here. If we have material blessings and we've got good clothing and we've got money in the bank and we're and we're doing good and we're good. Health, certainly we're entitled to more than what really meets the eye there. And of course, as Jesus is just blowing, blowing through all this and helping the disciples realize heaven is not an entitlement. Heaven is the gift of God. And just because you're a Jew and just because Moses was a great prophet and just because just because Abraham is your Hebrew father, that doesn't give you any more entitlement than, than a Gentile. They were just kind of flabbergasted thinking, wow, what does this all mean? We've never heard that before. And in some way, you might say Matthew 19, that Jesus is exposing the prosperity gospel that they had been exposed to. And Jesus, realizing that was there, he took this as an opportunity to announce to them, well, you know, there's going to be a lot of surprises when we get to heaven. He said, well, some of those surprises would be that those of us who are very prominent and people know our name and we've done all these things and we boast about our works and we like to brag about ourselves and we like to talk about things we've done and we like to even kind of hint along the way that we're good givers and good offers and we like to hint along the way that we're very involved in the church and I'm a pastor and I'm a deacon and, and I'm a Sunday school teacher and I do this and I do that and I do this and do that and I'm involved in five or six ministries of the church. He's saying something very interesting happens over time because as we get along and doing things we get this this imagination that there's an entitlement that certainly we deserve some blessings and certainly we deserve some entitlement and certainly we deserve some recognition and certainly we want to be honored in this life and jesus makes a statement in matthew 19 30 that many that are first shall be last many that are last will be first and he's saying there's going to be a lot of surprises in heaven. We're going to wonder why, like the text of the Uber driver example I made, we're going to wonder why did this happen to me? What happened here? And so we realize that Jesus has got their attention. And now we get to Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew 20, Jesus kind of breaks us all open by giving us a parable. In this parable, you might want to make this notation in your notes tonight. In this parable, Jesus is addressing our activity. Jesus is addressing our attitude. Jesus is addressing future rewards. And Jesus is going to give us an awakening in this passage of Scripture. Notice several things tonight about this parable. Why the last shall be first and the first shall be last. First of all, you notice in verse 1, we see a desirable proprietor. Notice the Bible starts off in this, this, this story or this something that, that they could relate to. A story that was very relevant to that day. If we tried to explain something like that today, it probably wouldn't be very relevant to people that are city dwellers. But in, a, in an agrarian society, in agricultural society, they understood this very, very much because this was taking a real life event that happened every day. And the Bible says in Matthew 20, verse 1, for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. I want you to notice that the focus of our attention is on a proprietor, on a business owner, on a land owner. We, our focus is on a man who owns a very large vineyard. He is a wealthy man. He's a prominent businessman. He's well known in his community. He was a man who had the capability of hiring many laborers, of having a large payroll. This 
this is a man who was a very vital part of the economy in his town there because he had a large vineyard and he'd have to pick the grapes and he'd have to and he'd have to crush the grapes and then he would take the juice and sell it in the open market and sell the grapes in the open market. This man was a desirable proprietor. He gave jobs. He helped the economy. He gave paid his taxes. I mean, he was a desirable part of the economy. This man was a desirable proprietor. There's nothing evil we read about this man. In fact, we read about this man. He's a man who's equitable. He's a man who's honest. He's a man who's truthful. He's a man who's just. He was a man known to be a well-paying employer. Everything we read about this man is that he's a desirable proprietor. What you notice today in verse 1, this man is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I suggest to you today, Jesus is the greatest of all proprietors. Amen. Because you notice tonight, Jesus is the proprietor of all creation. In Colossians 1 verse 15, listen as the Bible says this, who is, it speaks of Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And notice verse 16 to 17. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Listen to this about all of creation. Jesus Christ being the owner of all creation. All things were created by him and for him. Aren't you glad tonight there's not one thing in creation that he did not make? Jesus, all things were created by him. And by the way, all things were created for him. Everything was made for the glory of God. He is the proprietor over all creation. He's the owner of all things. He's the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. The skies belong to him. The stars belong to him. Listen, the heavenlies belong to him. The planets belong to him. The mountains and the streams and the rivers belong to him. I'm reminded tonight as we read verse 17. He is before all things and by him. All things exist. The physical of this universe owes its very existence to him. I remind of a story there in the Soviet Union, how that they, they had this, this kind of the story they would tell about the, about the, those who were atheists and those who were believers in God. And it talked about how they went into the farmlands to inspect the potato growing that the potato farmers did. And that the story goes like this, that one day a government official came to a farmer and inquired about him about the year's potato crop. He said, farmer, I want you to tell me, tell me how you did. How did your potato crop do this year? And that was something they did with every farmer. And the potato farmer, with a smile on his face, said this to the government official. He said, oh, it was so wonderful. My crop was so big, it reached up to the very foot of God. And the government official was atheistic got very angry and he turned flush in his face and he looked at this potato farmer and he said to him, sir, don't you realize, comrade, this is a communist state and we are atheists and you must not forget there is no God to which that farmer with a smile on his face says, ah, to the point, he says, that's my point, he says, no God, no potatoes. And I remind you tonight, no God, no potatoes. Listen, no God, you and I would not be here. No God, there is no earth. No God, there is no purpose. I remind you today as we look at Colossians 1, verses 16, 17, and 18, Jesus Christ created all things. All things are created by Him and for Him. He's the proprietor of all creation. But notice something else. If you notice in Colossians 1, 18, Jesus Christ is the proprietor of the church. He is the owner of the church. He is the head of the church. He's the Lord of the church. He's the founder of the church. Notice verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. You know, sometimes there gets into our puny little 
proud mind. So we think committees own the church. No committee owns the church. Jesus Christ owns the church. No little group of people owns the church or owns the flock. They are God's heritage. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the head. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. He is the head of the church. He is the, the, the church is his building. And that is his building. He builds his church one stone at a time. The church is his bride that he's preparing as a for eternity. The church is his body, a living organism made up of saved, baptized members of this local church. Listen, tonight, if you're not saved tonight, the first step for you is not to become a member, but be, to get saved and to know Jesus Christ as your Savior today. As proprietor, let us remember he's the founder of the church. As proprietor, let us remember he's the faith of the church. As proprietor, let us remember he is the focus of the church. In chapter 20, verse 1, we see a desirable proprietor. We find this man going out, his ownership there. This man is a great owner, and he's looking for help. Notice, secondly, tonight, we see a desirable proprietor. But notice in verses 2 through 4, we see something else. Actually, 2 through 7. Notice something else. We see a diligent pursuit. This man went out and did what he did every day. Now, vineyard owners and farmers, to find help, they would go out and look for workers who would, who would make, wait in the, in the marketplace. And that's just something they did. They didn't contract for long-term purposes. And they didn't have agreements where the person would stay for an extended period of time. They went out. Maybe they didn't like the worker. They would just bypass them the next day there. And they went out there. And, and they, they, they contract. They, 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 they look for people they can hire. And the Bible says in verse 1, this man went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. This was something that he did regularly. And uh, back in those days, you have to remember, James 5 gives us some insight about this, that landowners during those days, many of them, or some of them at least, they took advantage of their labors. They didn't pay them very well. Listen to what James says about this matter. He sees he, he comes to the rich men and the landowners and he tells them this. He says, go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and your silver is cankered and the rust in them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, James 5, 4 tells us. He says, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which of you is kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered to the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. So what went on in those days? Some landowners were, were, were unscrupulous landowners, and they basically hired people to work their land and work their vineyards. At the end of the day, there was no payday. They didn't pay them anything. And the Bible says here that they kept back their, their hire, and they were, they were guilty of being uh, fraudulent to those laborers and workers and didn't pay them very well and didn't pay them anything at all there. And so the landowner and workers there, there was kind of a daily thing. They went out to, to hire people, and sometimes maybe those, those same laborers, other, other landowners would come, they say, well, I don't think I'm going to work for him. I worked for him yesterday, and he didn't pay me a thing. I don't expect anything from him, so maybe a different landowner would work here. And that's kind of what we have here. So this landowner goes out, but this landowner is equitable. This landowner is just, he's honest, and he goes out, and he's looking for laborers to, to, to farm his harvest. And notice this man goes out five distinct times. Would you notice that? The first time we read, he's out at, the, at 6 a.m., at the, at the first hour of the day, at 6 a.m., he's out in the marketplace, and people assemble there. And there's not a whole bunch there. There's just a few people in the marketplace and that, that, that kind of thought, well, you know, if I want to get the best job, I better come early in the day. And um, there were some people there, and he hired them. And then he went out again at the third hour and hired some, and then he, which was 9 a.m. in the morning. 
Then he went out again the sixth hour of the day, which was 12 noon. And of course, that's the heat of the day. And he hired some more. And he went out the ninth hour of the day, which was 3 p.m. And he hired some more. And it's kind of interesting. He goes out the 11th hour of the day, which is 5 p.m. Because 6 p.m. would be the end of the day, the end of the Jewish day. And at 5 p.m. he goes out the 11th hour. And there's still people hanging around the marketplace. And in each situation, he hires these people to work for him. Now, I just want to give you a thought here. I'm thankful for the number five here because the number five is always a picture of the number of grace. I'm just glad that the labor of the, the, the owner of the harvest is always looking for laborers. And even down to the very last hour, he's looking for people that will serve and work for him. But notice some things as we drill beneath the surface tonight. Notice some things about these laborers and workers that, that are being hired. The first thing we notice is in verses one and two, we see an agreement for wages. The Bible says here in verse one, then he went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, this first group of laborers were contract laborers. They had a distrust of any landowner. And they just didn't take his word for it. They just assumed that the landowner and the business owner would not take good care of them. They said, we will work for you, provided you pay us a penny for the day's work. And they were saying, listen, a Roman centurion makes good money. He makes a denarius a day. And we want the equivalent of a Roman a denarius. And we want the equivalent of what a Roman soldier makes. And we'll work for you if you do that. And uh, basically, they uh, he said, okay, that's fine. I'll do that. And notice it says in verse 2, and when he agreed with them, he agreed with their desires and he went ahead and hired them. Now, I just want to give you a thought today. Sometimes we have this labor mentality when it comes to the church. And let me tell you today, you don't need to bargain with God. Amen. We don't need to contract with God and bargain with God. God is better to you and me than we deserve. And God was there for them. And we must be careful not to place stipulations on God or even the pastor or even the church that I'll serve if you do this for me. I'll do this if you do that for me. This, we see an agreement for wages. Notice the second thing. We notice in verses 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, we see something else. And this is a little bothersome. We see an absence of workers. You see, not everybody came to the marketplace at 6 a.m. in the morning. Just a few went there. And they came out at different times. And they were in the marketplace. And please bear in mind, the marketplace was the hub of activity. Remember, we get our word for... Um, for uh, ecclesia, which talks about an assembly. Remember that word ecclesia? And ecclesia is a word for the church. It talked about in those days, if they wanted to make an announcement, they would call for an ecclesia. They would call for an assembly of people that gather in a certain place. And typically it would be at the marketplace where everybody knew it was a common place they would meet. And there was this local visible assembly, an announcement being made. And Jesus took that word to announce to people about the idea of a local New Testament church. And we still use the word today. Well, there in that marketplace, that's where people went. You, If you wanted to find laborers, you went there. If you were a laborer and you wanted to find work, you'd go down to the marketplace. The marketplace where opportunities could be found. There were opportunities abounding for everyone. But very amazingly, at the th but they weren't all there at 6 a.m. Some came at the third hour and some came at the ninth hour and some came at the sixth hour and uh, the ninth hour and so forth. And some came at the eleventh hour. They came at different intervals of time. And we noticed that, that at those different intervals, not everyone gathered together. There was an absence of workers. And you know, tonight, I'm just reminded this evening that the Lord of the harvest, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he is still looking for laborers for the harvest. He's still calling men to serve him. He's still calling laborers into the harvest. He's still in the business of calling preachers. I reminded while we're in the Philippines, as we're up in Bulacan, as we gave a message and preached away and gave an invitation for people to get saved. And hundreds got saved and trusted Christ as Savior. And all the pastors that were there and the workers started working with them. We extended a second invitation and we appealed to those who were Christians and were saved that if the Lord's impressed on their heart, the importance of serving God 
God full time in their lives. And over 70 young people came forward and surrendered their lives to full time service. And then several days later, many of those who came to the Spiritual Leadership Conference Asia, as Pastor Chapel closed off the, the session as he preached, over 100 young people and adults came forward and surrendered to full time service. I remind you today, God is still calling and some are still obeying. Amen. Jesus told us that there's a law of economics. You take economics, one of the first things you learn is about supply and demand. And we're in a business today where I remind you today that the demand always exceeds the supply. People are being born faster in this world than we're getting missionaries out there. Communities are being started and new subdivisions are being built and new people are moving into areas. And listen, we need laborers. I want to tell you tonight, we need laborers for this Easter outreach. We need laborers to help us get the flyers out. We need people to be gospel preaching uh, soul winners that go out and tell others about Jesus Christ here. Listen, there is an absence of workers and thank God for the 60 that were there yesterday. But how about you? But notice something else here. We see an agreement for wages. That was kind of bizarre. We see an absence of workers. There were people straggling around at different times of the day to come out. But notice something else about this proprietor. That there was an angst or an anxiety about waste. And notice as he goes out there, verse 3 kind of stands out to us. And then verse 6. And verse 3, he went out about the third hour and he saw others standing. What's the word? What's the word? What's the word? Idle in the marketplace. And again, he went up at the sixth hour in the ninth hour and he did likewise. Notice for six and he went about the eleventh hour. He went out and he found others standing. What? What? What did the landowner ask? Why stand ye here? Idle all the day. Why are you standing around? And even more so, notice in verse 6, he speaks to those who are at the 11th hour. The 11th hour is when the Jewish day is almost done. The sun is about to set. Everyone's going to close their doors. Business is over. Business as usual is done. The 11th hour represents when time will be certainly over. The 11th hour tells us it's going, it's too late. The 11th hour is when we, he finds these men standing idle. They're standing around there. And he asks a question. And you could almost emo- imagine the emotionalism in his voice. He says, why stand ye here all the day idle? Opportunities abound. The marketplace has many opportunities. And you're just standing around. Why is it you weren't here at the 6 a.m. hour and the 9? a.m. hour and the 12 noon hour and the 3 p.m. hour and listen what are you doing why are you not busy here's what he's asking why are you doing nothing the word we get for the word idol is kind of an interesting word it's the word argos we get our word ergonomic from the word argos and he's asking this question why is it that you're not working why is it you're standing around the marketplace? Why are you uh, not observing the opportunities? Why are you just standing around? Why aren't you working in the vineyard? And something very interesting, as we look at the word argos, as it deals with the matter of idleness, it also is translated in 2 Peter 1.8, the word barren. He's saying, why aren't you being productive with your life? In 2 Peter 1.8, Peter says this, For these things be in you and abound, they make you so that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the works of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
There's an angst for waste. There's a lot of things to do. A lot of priorities in life. But I remind you tonight that our Lord places as the highest priority the need for labors. Harvest truly is plenteous. The labors are few. The Lord is saying we're not lacking for opportunities to serve. There's something troubling. Listen, listen. There's something troubling. If reaching souls and winning people to Christ is not a high priority with you. I'd rather do this, pastor. And that's what they were saying. I'd rather do this. And he asked him the question, why are you standing here idle? He says, I've got a vineyard. I've got more work than I've got labors. I've got more vineyard to fill than I've got labors to, to, to meet them. He says, the 11th hour is upon us. Why stand you all the day out? Listen, the one person that was diligent, the one person that was pursuing after people was this proprietor, was this business owner. He went out five different times looking for labors in the marketplace to fill up his vineyard. And he's thinking, man, if I could get labors in that vineyard, think of all the production I could have and think of all the things I could have. Hey, let me remind you tonight, God did not save you and I to fill space. God saved you and I to bear fruit in that our fruit should remain. Why are standing here all the day idle? Notice in verses 8 to 10, we see a deserving payment. We see, a desert, we see this proprietor, desirable proprietor. We see his diligent pursuit. Notice we see a deserving payment. And notice at the end of the day came, it was payday. By the way, payday is coming. Amen. The time of the day they looked forward to was the beginning of the day when they got hired. And the next most important moment, even more important, was getting their payment for the day so they could pay their bills and make their way back to the marketplace and buy their fish and buy their bread and buy their needs for the day and put some food on the table to take care of their family because their family depended upon that. And so we're looking forward to that. And notice verses 8 to 10. So when the evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, call the laborers. That means all of them. And give them their hire, beginning from the last and to the first. When they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have likewise received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. But you notice some things about this payment for just a moment. First of all, the focus is not just on the payment because he paid a very good amount of money. He paid the equivalent of what a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier made. He paid them a denarius a day, which was a penny day, which was a lot of money. And he paid them, you know, a day's wages. And so notice as these men stand up, beginning with the, the ones hired at the eleventh hour, and then going to the ninth hour, and then going to the sixth hour, and then the third hour, and the very first hour, every man received a penny. Every man was paid well. Would you notice a couple of things about that tonight? First of all, would you notice the payment was fair? We should be very careful that we get into this mindset. Well, things are not fair. Listen, he says, shall I not do right? By the way, isn't that what he said to, isn't that what he said to Abraham? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He's fair. And sometimes we look at our circumstances in life and we look at our trials and we look at our, what's going on in our lives. We say, God is not fair. Listen, God is not fair. He's more than fair to every one of us today. Amen. Not only was fair, but notice he was faithful. Evening was come. He said, call the laborers and give them their hire. I'll tell you, God is faithful to you and me. He's more faithful to you and me than we are to him. Amen. 
One of Jeremiah, at a time of crisis, he says, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. This man owner was saying, listen, God is fair, and this man is fair, and this man was faithful. But notice something else. This man was faultless. He did exactly as he said he would do. Notice in verse 11, the Bible says that in verse 10, that everyone received their day's penny. He was fair, he was faithful, he was faultless. And even those who agreed with him for the penny, they received exactly what they contracted with him for. He didn't do anything underhanded. He didn't do anything shady. He paid on time. He paid in negotiable currency. This man was fair. He was faithful. He's followed. Can I remind you of something? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. Notice something that brings to light a thought, a doctrine for us in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 and 10. About the deserving payment. Paul said this as he talked about heaven. He talked about in this we grow. And he talks about the future security we have and knowing when we get to heaven. Notice in verse 9 he says, wherefore we labor. It was a given. We're supposed to serve God. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That every man may receive payday, the things done in his body, according to that he has done. Whether it be good, whether it be bad. I've been reading the Bible quite a bit here on the words reward. I was sharing yesterday at our soul winning instruction time, one of our newer Individuals saved in our church in the last year or so. We're meeting for discipleship for a few minutes before we left for another meeting. And I said, how'd your week go? It's okay. And I could tell by his face that he was having some trouble. And I said, well, how are things with your family? And to which I said that a big piece of Kleenex, which was already wet, he started crying and he wiped his eyes. And he was crying like a baby, a grown man. He could hardly get the words. I said, Pastor, he just, you know, I, I'm, getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot of pressure at home. I said, what's going on? I'm being ridiculed for going to church. I'm being told I'm going to church too much. I'm being told that that Bible won't do me any good. I remind you tonight, that Bible will do you a lot of good. The Bible says that if you meditate in this book day and night, thou shalt have good success. It will do you very good. He cried his heart out. Let him cry for a little bit. I embraced him. I said, listen, let me tell you something. I took him to Matthew chapter 5 where it says, Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteous sake, for greater is the reward in heaven. And I tell you something. What we think is a reward may not be a reward. What God says is a reward is a true reward. And I remind you tonight that that many that are last shall be first, and many that are first shall be last. And this man here, if you'll notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, as Paul was writing this here, he says, whether we, we, wherefore we labor, the whether present or absent, we may be accepted. Listen, everything we do for Jesus Christ is not for you and me to build our kingdom. Not for you and I to see what glory we can give to ourselves or how prominent we can be in the eyes of people. Listen, when you and I are gone, 30 days after you and I are gone, people are going to forget all about who you are. 
What really matters, and it's going to pay eternal dividends, is this. Did we make a difference for Jesus Christ? Are people staying in the church? Are people growing in the Lord? Is there a difference happening? Are they furthering their discipleship? Are they a part of a crowd? Are they part of the church? I mean, Jesus is going to look and say, what difference is being made in their lives now? Here's the question we have to ask when we think about this deserving payment. Did we participate? Why stand you here all the day idle? Did we participate? Now, I remind you tonight, sowing is the baseline of service to the Lord. May not be popular, but it's biblical. Did we participate? Were we pleasing? Because I remind you tonight as we serve God, I've met a lot of people along the way who serve the Lord, but they serve the Lord with a disgruntled spirit. Or different motivation. It reminds you tonight in Ephesians 6, 6, when we serve the Lord, we're doing the will of God from the heart. And it's not from the heart, you're not doing the will of God. Did we participate? Were we pleasing? But as I study Matthew chapter 12, 20, I'm reminded of one other question, it's very convicting. Are we productive? What are we producing? What is the result? What's coming out of that? This man came and he made a payday. Notice in verses 11 to 15, we see something that else. We see this proprietor. We see his pursuit. We see the payment. Notice verses 11 to 15, we see a protest. I think if those men could in that day, they would have formed a union against that guy. (laughs) We see a disturbing protest. Notice it says in verse 10 that the that when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. It's entitlement mindset. That was a Jewish mindset. We start at the beginning of the day. We should get more. I've been saved 40 years, so certainly I should have some office. I'm the the biggest giver in the church, so certainly I should get more recognition. I do this and I do that. Hey, let the Lord of the harvest decide, amen? They suppose that they should have received more. There's an entitlement mindset. And they likewise received every man a penny. Notice verse 11. And when they received it, they were thankful. Is that what it says? When they received it, they shook his head. Is that what it says? Oh, look at verse 11. When they received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. They were complaining. They were grievous. Their spirit changed like that. It's easy to see, and you listen to me tonight, we're all temperamental. We think we have the mind of God, and we got over somebody else, and something bothers us immediately. We have the mind of the Spirit, and we think that I, I that, that, you know, and our spirit changes, and all of a sudden, the whole atmosphere turns upside down. 
And this word murmuring is kind of an interesting word because he spoke to one of them, he addressed it, but the word murmuring also implies that they were complaining, they were grievous about all these things, they felt that an injustice had been done, that things were unfair. And you know what it means when they says they murmured? They got together in a little clique and they started discussing among themselves what was wrong with the good man of the house. Do you know it's a sin for Christians to get together and to murmur and complain about the church? Or complain about one another? Do you know that? I didn't hear a lot of amens about that tonight. Maybe you're part of a clique tonight. You know, it's wrong for us to complain about what the blessings of the Lord or find fault with everything that's going on. Listen, you're going to find fault with everything in the church. You know why? Because all of us have faults. But praise God, we serve the one who's without fault. They got together a little group, a little committee. They started talking about all these laborers and workers. That's why I said I think if they had the opportunity, if they had the ingenuity, they probably would have formed a labor union at that time and would have protested and rebelled against this labor, this landowner there. an attitude problem they expected more than they had deserved they were comparing themselves to the 11th hour workers and they said we deserve this listen we were like little kids when we're at the place we're comparing ourselves to other people we're just like little children they were comparing by the way they were competing they were contentious they thought in their eyes they should have received more they're equating the physical over the eternal And notice what this landowner says. And he answers them so graciously. He says, friend, I do thee no wrong. By the way, Jesus never does us wrong. Amen. I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Listen, you came to me and contracted with me. He said, you asked for a penny. I gave you what you asked for. By the way, you get what you asked for too. Amen. Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto the last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? I want you to imagine the, the, the tone, the atmosphere of these Jews at this time when Jesus is talking to them. He's just dropped a bomb on them. I mean, he's just dropped a major bomb with that parable. They, they're kind of wondering, where, I wonder where he's going to go with this parable. Is is thine evil because mine is good? And then he repeats what he started off with from Matthew 19.30. He repeats and ends that parable in verse 16 by saying, So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. He said, listen, at, at payday, there's going to be a lot of surprises. Famous people might wind up being last. Those of us who are in this room think that we're deserving some things. Listen, it might be a little widow that's been up at 2 o'clock in the morning praying for this church is going to get more than you and me. It might be that little lady there that's scared to speak and scared to stand. But listen, she gives out 100 tracts a week and she's involved in trying to reach people for Christ and loves the Lord. And when the word of God is being preached, her tears in her eyes and she weeps over the word of God. And she has a contrite spirit. She says, oh God, thank you for telling me what I needed to hear. Listen, she might be deserving more rewards than some of us have been saved for a long time and think we know our Bibles. But our Bibles don't know us. And so as I close, and I want you to consider the dynamic principles. Let me sum it up tonight. Are you with me tonight? Notice the dynamic principles. Please don't miss us tonight. Number one, 
The harvest is in need of laborers. Every time we open the doors and the word of God is being opened to us, you know what God's trying to help you and I to do is to get involved in the work of the Lord. You say, why is pastor always in soul winning? Because if we're not soul winning, we're soaking. I found when I'm out talking to people about the Lord, it does something for my day, and does something for my life, and helps me get out of my selfishness, it gets out of my soaking, I get interested in the concern of others, and I remind myself, I recalibrate my attitude, remind myself, every home I go to that where that person's not saved, their destiny is hell, not heaven. Harvest is late. The harvest in need of laborers. Would you decide tonight to be all in for the Easter outreach? Just decide to be part of something. We just humble ourselves. Say, hey, I'll go to park outreach. I'm going to take a hundred flyers tonight and give those out tonight. I'm going to give a hundred flyers out of church and out of school. And I'm going to, I'm going to just reach some more people and touch some more lives there. And, you know, my wife and I were at several places yesterday after so many, but we gave us many, 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 many flyers yesterday afternoon. We just took advantage of everybody who could to get those out and everybody we're calling, we're trying to get them to. We stood in line yesterday at somewhere where it like, seemed like the line was not going to move forever. And, uh, I just thank the Lord everywhere we go. We run to somebody that knows us at least. Amen. And, and we just invite them to something there and just praise God for that. I was down there at the, at the hospital there just check on cat because she had some issues this morning when she gave birth and i went to go check on her and i walk in and one of the doctors looks at me and says hello doctor and i just smiled at him amen you know <laughs> and i walked out and uh, uh where's jackie jackie uh you're, you're uh, a lady there's a lady that knows you she i remembered her i saw her and i said oh i remember she's a nurse there in the maternity ward she said hey dr fong and i said yes ma'am amen you know And Brother Herman said, Pastor, everybody here knows you. I said, the problem is I don't remember them. Amen, you know. <laughs> Be a known commodity. Harvest is in need of laborers. Number two. Number two. Principle number two. Let's get busy for God. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, when I was reading this again, why stand ye here idle all the day long? I mean, you would think common sense, listen, opportunities are to be found. Let's go to the marketplace. That's where you stand in that, in that place where the ecclesia would happen. And you stand there and, and you're going to get a job and someone's going to hire you. But listen, some of these guys are, just, some of the early birders came at 6 a.m. and others straggled along at 9 a.m. and others came at 12 noon and others came at 3 p.m. And the, and the landowner was amazed at the 11th hour when the day was almost set. There were still people outstanding hanging around. He says, why stand you here all the day idle? Hey, listen, don't wait to the 11th hour to get busy for Jesus get busy now you need to be participating let's be cheerful givers let's be a producer amen then something else blesses my heart we see the harvest is in need of laborers and we see we need to get busy for God but you notice something else here as we read verse 6 it's not too late to get involved. Amen. The 11th hour, he said, well, it's late, but you can still get in. And by the way, they got paid equal to the f- people that got, fired the fir- got, got hired at the first hour. Amen. It's not too late. You're not too old. You're not too sick. You're not too this, not too that. Just, just say, you know what? I'm just saved. And if the Lord of the harvest wants to use me, I'm willing to go. Amen. But notice something else here. It's not too late. It's time to get busy. The harvest needs laborers. But notice number four. Would you go back with me to 
verses 11 to 15. Let's get our attitudes right. Don't contract with God. We shouldn't be bargaining with God. That's something Esau did. Let's not get in the place of comparing. Let's not look at fellow laborers as competitors. They're colleagues or co-laborers in Jesus Christ. Let's not get in the place where we're complaining. They were murmuring. They got together in a group. They were murmuring against the good man of the house. They were showing their pride. They were showing their conceitedness. They were very proud, saying, we deserve more. No, if we got what we deserve, we ought to receive nothing. We're not better than somebody else. And by the way, Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 4 5, judge nothing before the time comes. Do the will of God from the heart. We see the harvest is the need of laborers. We need to get busy for God. It's not too late. We need to get our attitude right. Hey, fifthly, payday's in the future. Payday's coming. That we may receive the things done in our body, whether good or bad. Wherefore we labor, whether present or absent, we may be acceptable to the Lord. Hey, are, do you think the Lord would say, well done? Do you think the Lord would say, that's acceptable? And we shouldn't serve God with the idea of what we can get out. Listen, let's not serve God what we can get out of it. Let's serve God the idea of what we can put into it. Amen. Judgment Day will reveal who is last and who is first. Some will be surprised that what they did was nothing more than wood, hay, and stubble. But you notice and write down this very last thing tonight. The harvest is the need of laborers. We need to be busy for God. It's not too late to get involved. We need to have work on our attitude. Payday's coming. Would you write this last one? This is good. This is good. Would you write this down? Write this down. God is always good. Amen. Look what he says here. He says, look. I do thee no wrong. He says, whatsoever is right, I will give you. Those first hour laborers had no faith in that landowner. I think some of us have to revalue our conscience tonight. Do we have faith in God? Do we have faith in God, his ability to work on our behalf? We think of what we can do for God. We say this all the time. It's not what we can do for God. It's what God can do through us. These men had no faith in God. But those even hired at the 11th hour, they said, listen, we, we have faith that he's going to take care of us. He said, whatsoever is right, that will I pay you. Listen, God is fair to us. God is good. To us. He's better to us than we deserve to tonight he says is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own is thine eye evil because I am good many that are first shall be last and many that are last shall be first may God help us tonight as we look at the parable of the landowner and his labors. Does God have to look for us all the time? Or are we like David? We're looking for God. Early will I seek thee, he said. My soul thirsteth after thee. Let's go after God. Let's desire tonight to give our best. To get involved. Recalibrate our attitude.
Do the work of the Lord. And realize in all this, there's a payday coming, but not here, up there. And honor God with our lives. Father, tonight we thank you this evening for just a reminder from Matthew 20 about this rich landowner and the laborers and the attitude of the Lord serving Christ with unpretentiousness. And I pray this evening, that Lord, that maybe a lot of human philosophy and labor force ideas and employment ideas that are so ingrained in our heart, a lot of humanism we brought to the foot of the cross and realize that the, at the cross, everything was equalized. And that Jesus is fair and that he's good. And Lord, tonight that we are bothered and stirred in our hearts to respond to the call. And even, Lord, if it's been late in life, that we'd recognize that the 11th hour is still time to get involved. And Lord, that we not fall in the trap like these men did. They were murmuring against God and he spoke to one. He says, friend, I do thee no wrong. And tonight, maybe we feel like we've been hurt. Maybe we feel like we've been wrong. And Lord, tonight, may we just be feeling like the Lord corrected us and saying that, God, you didn't do wrong to us. This evening, tonight, Lord, we realize to the work, to the work, I must go. Father, I pray for the Easter outreach. I pray for a strong response in our church. Doing our part. Getting involved. Some saying, I'll, take, I'll claim 500 homes. Others, I'll claim 1,000 homes. I'm not going to wait till 11th hour. Man, I'm going to be there at 6 a.m. I'm going to be at the first hour. I'm not going to bargain with God. I'm not going to contract with God. I want to just be right and ready. And so tonight, Lord, as we extend the invitation, I pray that you help us to take a moment to evaluate all that we do and recognize that, God, you're good and that you're fair and that you're holy, and that you're just. Have that own way, we pray. Your word is spoken. We submit ourselves to it. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you tonight that the Spirit reproves of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And now this evening, we respond to you and ask that you be glorified. And some here tonight may not be saved. They don't know Christ as their Savior before this disservice dismissed. I pray they'd open their heart's door and call on the Lord to save them. As we open the invitation, help us to be Lord, contrite and honest, sincere, and just thankful, if nothing else, tonight for all your goodness. We pray all these things of you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's stand, and as you stand, if you need to come, make your way to the aisle this evening. Make your way to the altar. We have this entitlement mindset like the Jews, that God is not good. Things rankled us. Our spirit upside down. Because we look at things from our tinted glasses. Instead of looking at things from the viewpoint of God. God's looking for laborers. He needs some workers in the harvest. And by the way, the, the Lord of the harvest shouldn't have to beg us and cajole us and to bargain with us. We should go with a willing heart. Doing the, the service, doing the will of God from our heart. He needs laborers. He wants us to be Productive. He wants us to stand faithful before him. By the way, thank the Lord tonight that he's fair and he's faithful. He's faultless. But you come tonight, nothing else, you just come to thank the Lord for his goodness tonight, that he's good. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Would you come tonight? Father, you're holy tonight, and your word is holy, and the spirit of God is holy. And Lord, I pray for holy decisions we've made in our hearts along the way. 
blessed this week, that it would be a pleasing week and a productive week. And Lord, I claim for your congregation this evening, John 15, 7 and 8, where Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. I pray that everyone would have a, a, a week of being saturated in their fellowship and their walk with God. He says, you should ask what you will and it should be done unto you. And he said, here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And tonight I pray that we'd be fruitful and just share the experiences and the love of God. Lord, you be glorified. That help us with our struggles. And many this week who have trials are still facing. We pray for Mrs. Toy that her biopsy would go well tomorrow. And we pray for Andrew for a complete recovery. And we pray tonight for uh, Nora's father for complete recovery. And we pray for... Uh, Cat and Kai for the Lord for the wellness and 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 uh, and uh, Lord to be up to speed and to be able to go home in a couple of days here and for others in our church who are battling sicknesses and illnesses and heartache tonight God show yourself strong. Thank you for being faithful to us Lord when we don't deserve it your fairness and just we'll thank you for all this tonight in Jesus name, Amen.